Hello and welcome to the Sensibly Speaking Podcast. This is Chris Shelton, the critical thinker at large, coming at you for yet another slam, bam, amazing episode of greatness. Uh, Actually, I think this one will be a little interesting. I think you guys are going to find this episode quite interesting because we're going to look at a non-religious cult movement that is happening mainly here in the United States, traces of it happening around the world, but uh, started here, seems to be flourishing here, and on the rise, we're talking about a population of this group. Roughly, it's difficult to tell, but roughly around 100,000 hardcore members, according to estimates that we have, and that law enforcement actually has, uh, because law enforcement has taken an active interest in this group. And what we are talking about is sovereign citizens. There are various denominations or groups or flavors of this around. It's not just one unified structure under a a central leadership. As you'll see when we talk about this, uh, this is a little, the the model of this is similar, but not exactly the same as Scientology or religious-based cults. Um, But all the mechanisms and social activities and and interactions and, and especially what's going on up in the brain with these folks is exactly the same as what you see in all the other cultic groups we've talked about, which is why I'm featuring them this week on the show. And to help me with this, and actually a great source of information about this group for me, and uh, will be for you, is my good friend, John P. Capitalist here, who is joining me for the podcast. Hey, John. Hey, how you doing, Chris? How you doing, everybody out there in television land? Yes, it's great to have you back on. It's been a while. Yes, it has. I've uh, been looking forward to uh, doing another one of these. Yeah, this will be fun. Um, so why? So you happen to have inside knowledge about these guys or, or more knowledge than maybe most people would have because you know somebody who actually educates law enforcement on this, but you've also done your own deep dive research on it. Is that right? Yeah, well, this has just been an absolute uh, fascinating offshoot of all of the stuff that I've done over the last six or eight years on Scientology. Um, and and here, is a, here is a group of people. The structure of this group is, it's very unstructured. There's no one set of beliefs that says that's sovereign citizens and this isn't. There's a giant mishmash of beliefs and there's millions of different camps. It's a very splintered and fraction, uh, you know, fractured movement. But these people in general believe stuff that is crazier than Scientology, but they also have the potential for more violence than Scientology. Uh, A number of sovereign citizens have killed police officers uh, and engaged in all sorts of other violence. And uh, this has been a source of considerable trouble for the court system. Uh, Although I think the courts are in fact starting to gain the upper hand as they've gotten more experience dealing with this sort of belief. So uh, while I've spent a lot of time looking at and writing about Scientology, I've also been very fascinated with these guys. So, um, and not only the parallels, but, but just the differences. And it's just reading some of the stuff that these people write, some of the stuff that they believe, it's just fascinating. Comical, but also tragic. I feel exactly the same way. I've spent a few days now going through videos of these guys. On YouTube, you can find many, many, many videos from them. Uh, Ironically, a lot of them originally posted by the sovereign citizens when they're pulled over by police officers, and they think they're going to post these videos of them fighting back against the police 
uh, first with words and, you know, sometimes uh, with more. And they end up digging themselves into these holes and the cops end up having to drag them out of their cars. And it's, 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 it's all pretty ugly. And there's a whole litany of uh, a series of uh, almost a checklist you can run that one guy on YouTube has done. He calls it uh, Sovereign Citizen Bingo. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> where where yeah. he has a bingo card of things they're going to say or do during the police stop. And almost uniformly, they run through these various checklist items of things they say, things they assert are true, which are absolutely not true, etc. But let's back up for a second, because not everybody's going to know who these guys are. Who are the sovereign citizens and what are they about? Well, it's pretty difficult when you're dealing with such an amorphous group. It's pretty difficult to put a a, a line, you know, a, a, a one sentence definition together. Right. But essentially, these are people, this is my definition. These are people that believe in magical thinking as a way to get out of obeying laws that they don't like. Okay. And and how what does that magical thinking consist of? Um, that magical thinking consists of some really odd ideas about the law, um, about the Constitution, about all sorts of things, and springing from these bizarre assumptions, they build these giant temples of supposition and and fantasy, um, and then the danger is that they then try to translate that into some sort of action that has real-world consequences, either for themselves or for innocent people. So one, um, one sovereign citizen belief, not and this is the first one that comes to mind, not necessarily the only one or the most important one. Um, many sovereign citizens believe that the Constitution says that the county sheriff is the most powerful law enforcement officer in the county and that his authority supersedes that of state or federal law enforcement officers. Now, this was uh, a belief, this is one of the earliest sovereign citizens' beliefs, came out in the late 70s and early 80s, and it was promulgated by a bunch of white supremacists. Um, and the idea was that in small rural counties, they thought that they could take over the sheriff's function and thus uh, be able to, um, uh, thus be able to essentially, you know, stage a quiet coup in their counties and and be able to engage in whatever criminal enterprises that they were in without fear of fear of the law. Now, the idea that the Constitution says the sheriff has the most powerful might make a little more sense if the Constitution actually had the word sheriff in it. <laughs> so so a minor detail. Is it a tiny thing? And so you, but, but anyway, so that's one example of a sovereign citizen belief. Another um, takes a bunch of court cases from the early days of the automobile era, uh, cases that have been decades ago invalidated or superseded by, by other law or by other decisions. And, um, and so you have court cases from 1904 and 1907 or 190-whatever that say that um, you don't have to have a driver's license or registration in order to drive your car. Only time that people have to drive their car on the road uh, with a license and, and, and insurance and whatnot else is if you're engaged in uh, commerce, right? So in other words, if you're a professional truck driver, you have to have a license. If you're just a person driving to the store, you don't. Okay, so so the so the idea here is they're trying to get out of having certain common, regular, routine laws that we all follow and abide by. They're trying to get out 
of having to follow those laws by looking up this arcane stuff or believing these odd odd beliefs. Is that is that the basic so, of exactly? It? And so let's then so let's look at let's take the auto example and let's look at how that unfolds and let's also look at why that unfolds. Okay, so so what they do is they take these random court decisions out of context. Mm -hmm. And this is another example of fundamentalist behavior in action. Um, fundamentalist religions often take a line out of the Bible or whatever sacred book you have, and they take it completely out of context. And uh, so, for example, uh, the biblical, what people cite as, I, I don't remember the exact mechanics, but I did read this at one point a couple years ago. The, the Bible verse that people sometimes think is a prohibition against masturbation, that one verse, if you pluck it out, sort of sounds like it might be that. If you read the actual chapter of the Bible, it's about something completely different. Right. And, and so proof texting, um, pulling one line out of context without understanding the larger picture and the larger meaning is going to get you into trouble. And that's what these guys do. Um, often because they're religious, they, they are fundamentalist religious types anyway, or often just because of ignorance, um, whatever. So on top of this, these proof texted lines from ancient court decisions, they built this whole series of folk uh, incantations. And so some of these videos that you'll look up on YouTube, by the way, look up if you want to find them, go to YouTube and look up sovereign citizens owned usually and you'll get <laughs> right. hundreds of these things yeah, um, i'm actually gonna i'm gonna post a couple clips right now so you can actually hear and see some of the flavor of what we're talking about because i know it sounds kind of funny when um john uses a term like uh, incantations you know it sounds you know it's all witchcrafty and stuff but but when you see how these guys talk to other people you're gonna see what we're talking about check this out Without a license. Um, but we told you he's an Article 4 free inhabitant, so he does not have to have a license. This is on recording. Well, um, most likely, just for my safety, because I got a lot going on with this Article 3 or 4. Article 4, free inhabitant, pursuant to the Articles of Confederation. You can look it up. It's in the United States Book of Codes. It is your laws you have to follow. All right, I'll, okay, I will do that. Just be calm, I'm walking back here. Yeah, I have one detained for 12500 I have a passenger. Article 4, no, Article 4, free inhabitant, it's different. Okay. Article 4, free inhabitant, pursuant to the Articles of Confederation. Put the camera down for me. Is that, if, if, if it records, that's fine, mm -hmm. but I don't want you holding anything. Um, no weapons, no weapons, all right, no. Okay, so what I'm going to ask you to do is the same thing. And get out of the car? Yes. No, I'm not getting out of the car. Right. You can go get your superior. Well, I am going to tow this car, and you cannot be in the vehicle while I'm towing this vehicle. Well, if you go get your superior, he'll clarify right that he can be set free because he does not That's have to not have a license. not going to happen right now, young lady. So either you're going to come out of the car on your own free will, or I'm going to assist you. I'm going to get out of the car and walk down to that house. No, you are not free to leave right now. You Are you saying you have authority over me? Yes, I do. You have proven authority over me. Yes, I do. How did you do that? The County of Imperial through the sheriff. You do not have authority over a human being right. over well, a free you know inhabitant. What? Do you want to argue the point? You need to go look up your laws. I don't laws. have to look at anything right now. What I need to do is get you out of the vehicle. If you have identification, please hand the identification over to me. No. Identify yourself to me. And I'm not going to step out of the vehicle. All right. Well, you know, you are impeding my investigation. You are delaying me, which is a penal code violation in the state of California. 
That law only applies to U.S. citizens. Well, where are you a citizen of? I am not a U.S. citizen. Well, see, that's I am a mistaken. free inhabitant. I am that's of the earth. I do not belong to any corporation. I do not belong to any country. Yeah, but as no. long as you're in the sovereign states of the United States, you will abide by the rules no. and laws. See, uh, and uh, you have a free in, no, a free inhabitant is is is. Uh, they are allowed to. They are they are free people. They um have all of the all of the rights. Of a U.S. citizen without following any of their laws. Well, that would just be pure anarchy nope. if that were the case. No, no, because so we're peaceful people. Oh, we're peaceful me, people. Okay. Well, you did today, and you should learn. You should learn that your oath to the Queen's nullified and abolished, and you guys don't have authority. Look, now there's two other cruisers here. I don't care. I'm standing for my rights, man. Plain and simple. Bring them all. Bring your whole force. I am not intimidated at all, man. Okay. I know my rights. Don't open my door. I need you to identify yourself. No, you don't. You have no right to open my door. He's a sovereign citizen. He won't identify himself. So, are you going to identify yourself? I do not have to, Your Honor. Okay. Thank you. Open my door. You have no right to fucking touch me. You guys have kidnapped our child. Nope, I'm leaving. Don't get in front of me. You're pulling your gun on me? Okay, he's pulling his gun on me. Everybody, I have not done anything criminally wrong. He's pulling his gun on me. No, no. It's off. Parking brakes on. I'm no threat. I'm no threat. They're pointing their guns at me. Just because I don't have the right plates on my car. That's why. Ready to grab it. You guys don't have this authority. You're gonna break my window. Don't. I'll open my door. Don't. Ow! Asshole. What the hell? Get out of the car now. Okay, they just broke my glass. See that? Beautiful. Good job. Get out of the fucking car now. I have nothing on me. Oh, you're gonna cut me. Don't. I'll open the door. You're gonna cut me. You're going to cut me. And we're back. Okay. So, so on top, and so the the idea is that they've built this giant temple of magical phrases and formulas that they believe will suddenly unlock the true law that only the, the people of possession of the secret knowledge get to uh, get to access and that this is your get out of jail free card. And as we've seen from those videos, it didn't quite work that way. So <laughs> no, um, not quite. And and so these in, you know, these are exactly like magic incantations. And if the magic doesn't work, it's not because magic is nonsense. It's because you didn't say it right. So that is a um, so, that is exactly one of the reasons, by the way, that we are talking about this in cult terms, because that kind of thinking and the doubling down and the tripling down, like Rachel and I were talking about a couple of weeks ago here on this podcast, that is one of the key characteristics of a cultic mindset. Right. So let's look at Scientology, right? Scientology says the tech works 100% of the time when applied standardly. So in other words, the doctrine is infallible. And if it didn't work, it's because you did it wrong. And so, you know, that's, that's exactly the mindset here, that they believe on the basis of no evidence, and certainly on the basis of, you know, being something at 180 degrees away from common sense, they believe that this stuff will work with no evidence that it does and actually with evidence of hundreds of people being tased and dragged out of their cars for failing to uh follow instructions of a you know legal you know police officer 
Uh, they have evidence that it doesn't work, and yet they keep doing it. So now, let's let me just before I forget, let me just talk about why would a sovereign citizen do this and risk, you know, getting their window busted and risk uh, a charge, at least a heavy misdemeanor charge for resisting. Uh, a charge, by the way, that police are now much more likely to prosecute than they would have been even five years ago. So let's look at the economics of being poor, particularly the economics of being poor in rural America. So let's say that you're working at Walmart stocking shelves and you're making eight fifty an hour. That works out to seventeen grand a year. Um, and maybe you have a roommate or two, or maybe you're living at home or you're living with your, you know, whatever. Um, and, and if you start looking at what your expenses are, most of your expenses you can't control. You need a certain amount of money for food. And there is an amount that you just can't cut your food budget anymore. Whatever money you spend on rent, utilities, etc., you can't control that. But then you have this requirement from the state that no matter how much money you make or don't make, you have to have a driver's license. A driver's license is 50 bucks a year. You know, it's 100 bucks every two years, whatever it is. It's on the order of $50 a year. You also need registration, which might be another 50 or $100 a year. Here in the Northeast, um, and, and in a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of richer states, if you're poor in a state like New York or Connecticut or New Jersey or, you know, a lot of these places, you have to pay personal property tax on your car. And even if you drive a 15-year-old beater with 200,000 miles on it, that's $300 a year. That's $25 a month. And then the big killer is you have to have insurance. Right. And typically in a densely populated state, so if you're poor in California, your insurance is going to be $120 a month. So if you look at the mandatory cost that you have to put your car on the road before you even put gas in it, before you even fix it, or before you even pay the car off itself, anywhere in this country, you're looking at 100 to $150 a month. And if you're making 17 grand a year and you've got $1,800 in, in government mandated money just to be able to pull out of your driveway, that's over 10% of your income. That's more than you're paying in, in taxes because somebody making 17 grand is really not paying a lot of income tax. They're paying social security, that's about it. So, so the biggest single item that you can control is your car fees, taxes, license, insurance, and registration. And so if you, out of that kind of desperation, you know, 10%, uh, you know, finding a way to cut those, that cost out of your life, you know, that kind of desperation that, you know, some percentage of people and are, are going to give that a try. And remember, a lot of America is desperately poor. Recent statistic out of the last year or two says that 50% of the American population does not have $400 in cash for an emergency car repair. They got to borrow it from somebody or some, or they got to do without. And so, and, and so this, this is, isn't a, this is a really important point about this group in particular too, because the base, the potential base that that is a, that that finds this stuff appealing, is growing, because mm -hmm. of our economic situation. And it's odd and interesting because this is a cult that's not about money, about making money to a central leadership. The it's almost that the price of admission for this group is that you're poor, that you don't have any money. To spend yeah. Now, in large part, in large part, that's true. There are actually a couple 
very small number of wealthy sovereign citizens. Mm -hmm. But by and large, um, they're, they're people that are pretty marginal and they tend to be rural. So another thing is, why do these people tend to be rural? Um, it tends to be the case that uh, rural cops are understaffed. So, for example, let's look at some of the counties in, let's say, eastern Oregon, out in the west. And sovereign citizens do tend to be strong out in the west. Colorado's a hotbed. Um, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, um, quite a few there. Uh, got a bunch in Nevada. So, um, you know, they're, they're everywhere, but they're typically uh, in rural areas. So let's say that you're in Harney County, Oregon beautiful place about the size of Connecticut. And at any given time, there's two to three sheriff's deputies on patrol in Harney County, the size of Connecticut. So hundred miles by 50 miles. It's um, uh, if you need backup, you're going to be waiting for a long time for one of your partners to get there. So, so the cops are going to get a lot of, are going to let a lot of stuff slide. So if you've got some bozo that's got a homemade license plate that says non-commercial use, not for hire, no license required on his car where his license plate should be, you're probably not going to make a big issue out of it. In the suburbs or the urban core, you see somebody like that, you're going to jump on it. They've got automated license plate readers and a thing gets a no read or whatever, they don't, you know, the officers don't have discretion, right? And so the other thing is they've got good training budgets and they've got a lot of officers on backup. So if you live in a suburb with 50,000 people, it's a small place and staffing levels for a department like that's gonna be anywhere from 10 to 25 officers on duty at any one time. So if you live in a wealthy suburb, that guy sees a license plate and he knows that you're a sovereign citizen. He's going to pull you over and he's going to call for about five backup units. That's right. And because he's, point, not gonna, gonna he's not going to take a chance. Yep. You know, he figures that you're probably and, and experience shows, you know, that a lot of these people have arrest records for various sorts of petty crime sometimes somewhat violent crime, like maybe a domestic violence call. A lot of these people are already known to police and they figure that, you know, rightly so that these guys might have something to hide. So they've got the resources. So anybody that shows up with a not for hire, you know, ha ha, you can't ticket me license plate. Um, and, and if you Google sovereign citizen license plate, you can get a sample of the really amazing uh, richness of the, uh, you know, pretend artwork that's out there. Um, so, so you, you can go out and, you know, a, a suburban place, you know, suburban district is going to just, you know, no tolerance and they're going to hit this with overwhelming force. And, and it turns into a catastrophe, right? Because if the cops do take your car, you know, if the cops do stop you, they're going to seize your car. And most people that are in the situation where they want to go this route anyway, they'll never recover from losing their car because they're going to lose their job. They aren't going to be able to get out to get a new job. It's economically devastating when you get your car seized when you're poor. Yeah, big you know, time. Bad enough, it's bad enough if you're a lawyer making 150 grand and you got a mess of parking tickets, you get your car towed. It's a pain, but it is not devastating. So, so anyway, so this is, this is a magic thinking way out to try to, to try to solve an economic problem. Right. So that's and, one, okay. and real fast, I just want to make a point here because, you know, there's a lot of anti-police sentiment out there and, and deservedly so for certain reasons, but not these reasons. I want to be clear that the, the police are not 
are, this is not a situation of the police abusing these people. This is a, a situation the other way around in this particular case. And it's just a point I want to make right now because I don't want to have this, you know, turn into some kind of black versus white, uh, you know, sort of thing in the middle of the, while we're explaining all of this, the, the cops are in the right when they're pulling these guys over and the cops are in the right when they're trying to enforce really basic, simple laws with these guys. It's not complicated stuff. I just want to put that out there because I want to make my position yeah. on that. I mean, if that's the thing is, yeah, you look at these, you look at these videos that are posted and the cops are being more than reasonable before they finally break the window and tase the guys. Exactly. You know, and, and the patience of some of these cops was almost angelic in some cases. Absolutely. So, so it is, yeah, this is not an anti-police issue at all. Um, but the point, so the point is that, so, so I think the illustration from the red, the license and registration branch of the sovereign citizen world is that there is economic desperation at play and a lot of very poor judgment. And if you look at some of the handiwork of, you know, the verbiage that these guys have spent all of this time training themselves to spout, there's a lot of really bizarre beliefs about reality that are enshrined there. Okay, so I wanted to wrap this up and I want to move along and I wanted to talk about another whole set of um, sovereign citizens. Um, some of them may be the members of the license and registration crowd. Um, some of them maybe not, but, but their focus, this is what I call the pretend judge, pretend grand jury or uh, pretend uh, marshal crowd. And so, um, and, and so there are people and, and the people that get into this are typically people who have had a devastating loss in the court system. And this will usually be something like a foreclosure losing a kid through child protective services, um, tax court, or uh, something of, uh, you know, a divorce that they feel went against them because the judge was biased or something like that. Um, and what they do is that as a result of this is they envision going out there and, and they think, well, the courts are corrupt. Why can't we set up our own courts or why can't we use our own legal? Why can't we have our own legal system? Now, as a parenthetical observation, right? The same people, a lot of these people are the same people who say, we cannot have Sharia law in the United States, right? You know, you remember that panic a few years ago about, oh my God, you know, and so some states actually passed a thing that said you can't have Sharia law yes. or for, they called it quote, foreign legal systems. That amused greatly, by the way, because what other legal system or imagine what, what other belief system that people imagine is the basis for law that was originated outside the U.S. It's the biblical thing. Last exactly. I checked, that came Hello. From Israel, right? So the Ten Commandments is a foreign legal system, and yet these people strenuously argue that we should really be following God's law. Just yeah, well, to, you know, uh, I just always hearken back with stuff like that to uh, I don't know what was it the guy the the, the senator or congressman or whatever who uh, who was arguing about teaching uh, two languages in school, teaching foreign languages in school, and they weren't going to have any of that because if English was good enough for Jesus, it was good enough for, for him. I hadn't heard, that may very well be apocryphal, but it certainly is the mindset. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, so anyway, so what these guys did, what these guys have done is, um, and, and there's many, many schools of thought here, uh, what these guys have done is tried to create, um, to say, no, 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 the laws that are in effect 
are based on a foundation of deceit and lies and trickery, and that there's actually an underlying legal system that they alone have discovered that will allow them to get what they want out of um, out of the courts. And so um, some of some of this is, you know, pretend lawyering that when you go into a real court, you say this and suddenly magically the judge has to do whatever you want. Um, and and a lot of a lot of these sovereigns, when they that particular branch, the magic get out of jail free card in real court, that crowd um, will waste enormous amounts of re, uh, judicial resources. And uh, the courts are finally starting to get wise to this, and they're starting to realize that these people are part of you know because every every judge has weird, flaky, presumably mentally ill defendants getting in front of uh, in front of him some percentage of the time. Um, but what they're starting to realize is that these people are driven by an ideology uh, that's fixed, and they're finally just stomping this stuff out and cutting the crap. So um, there well, are sovereign been, well, if you and, and also just as a point on this, if you go to the Wikipedia page on sovereign citizens and you go through, they do a year by year breakdown of court cases and uh, assaults and battery and and shootings at police by these guys. Yep. And other incidents, and you can see case after case after case where they've already dealt with the legal issues of what these guys are putting out there, and they don't have an issue. There's no there there for what these guys are pushing. So the precedents are all set. This this shouldn't even be happening anymore. Yeah. But but you know, but the so the so these exotic, these bizarre beliefs. So for example, one some sovereign citizens believe that I can't you can't if the judge says, Do you understand that that means that I stand under the judge and therefore submit to his authority, but I refuse to submit to the authority of this court. So they believe that you can opt out and that uh, you can challenge jurisdiction. Some of this is based on um, some really strange ideas, like the idea that my name is in upper and lower case, and that the the court filings where it always puts your name in all uppercase, that's somebody else. And there's actually a uh, this the, this thought is called straw man theory, that that there's this legal you know, like almost like a corporation that exists that is responsible for all the bad things in your life and you're responsible only for the good things. So it's like, no, the defendant is not me. It's this straw man entity that's had the same name as me, but in all caps, but that's not the same as me. Right. And so, so you get some bizarre results where, uh, and, and the courts have started to figure this one out and some of them are very good at acting on it. So somebody goes into court, the case is called, um, you know, are you John Smith? And he says some mumbo jumbo that he's been taught to say like, no, but I am, uh, I represent the estate of John Smith um, under the land jurisdiction. And uh, I'm here to dispose of this matter in commercial dispute. Now, you know, criminal and commercial, you know, civil cases are very different things. And they had this mumbo jumbo and the judge now, when he starts to hear this, will go, will realize who he's dealing with. And the judge will go, are you, you know, Bob Smith or not? And eventually if the sovereign goes, yes, then he goes, okay, sit down here and off we go. And if the sovereign says no, then the judge says, okay, Bob Smith did not appear for this case. I'm issuing a bench warrant for the arrest. By now the bailiffs, who also been educated increasingly realize what's happening. The moment Bob Smith walks out the door of the, uh, of the courtroom, he gets cuffed for non-appearance. 
held yep, on a I actually seen. I actually watched a video of them doing that exact thing to uh, somebody right outside the courtroom. Yeah, and it doesn't tend to go well. Nope. And so, and so that's one example of uh, legal incantations that yeah. that people I, have come I, up with. I do not consent. Them. Is not yep. magic words. That's not going to exactly. get you out of jail, folks. <laughs> now, the thing is that a lot of attorneys, real attorneys, would tell you that saying, I don't consent to a search is an appropriate thing to say. When the officer says, you know, when the officer says, can I search your car without probable cause? You could say, I don't consent to any searches. That doesn't mean I don't consent to the law. It means you've got to have probable cause because I didn't consent. You know, it has a very specific valid legal meaning, but these people take that as I don't consent to the law because it doesn't apply to me. Um, They challenge jurisdiction with these long involved arguments. So the courts are getting better at seeing through this. So, for example, there are sovereign citizens in Canada and they were going great guns for a while. But eventually, uh, in particular, the the um, uh, Supreme Court, uh, you know, what's called the Court of Queen's Bench in Alberta. Um, has really f- cracked the code on these guys. And now, if you bring up any sovereign citizen arguments in Alberta courts, you are immediately declared a vexatious litigant. You have to get the permission of the court to file. So basically, the, they're on a they are on a hair trigger to just smush these guys. And, uh, and and let's be clear that the amount of paperwork these guys generate is not what you would think of as a normal case. You know, right. You so about legal filings and you have all these papers you have to file. If anybody who's listening has ever gone through a divorce, you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of paperwork. These guys will increase the amount of paperwork by a factor of 20 or 30. Yeah. The, and it's they, they will fight. Um, and and they a lot of it will be just what it would psychiatrists would call word salad. It sounds like ramblings of insane people. It's cut and paste from somewhere. Uh, it's just bizarre stuff. So there's there's a million different varieties of it, but it's all essentially organized around the concept of some sort of get out of free, uh, get out of jail free, that if you unlock the magic words, uh, the court will just essentially let you go. Um, but at, at a more practical level, somebody who gets uh, nailed for you know, a traffic ticket, a speeding ticket goes into court and they start jerking around with tra- challenging jurisdiction and going into all this stuff. You can have a, a two minute traffic ticket case, end up wasting an hour and a half of the time of the people in court and the other hundred people that are waiting to get their, their traffic ticket heard. So, um, so there's a, there's a, a drag on the system. And then by the time you get up to major cases, uh, it's, the, the amount of paperwork that these idiots can generate is off the charts. So it, it really um, is. I really want to get this across to everybody because I want you to understand how abusive on the system and how they overload the system through these through their stupid actions. So you have, you know, a hundred thousand of these guys in the United States, and I'm talking hardcore believers. I'm not talking about fringy guys who maybe are thinking about it. There's like another hundred thousand of them. The hardcore guys, this is what they do. They, they, they just spend their time doing this because they literally just don't have anything else to do because they're not out getting jobs or getting their life together. They're sinking themselves further and further into this delusional world. And yeah. in doing so, end up cluttering all the rest of us <laughs> with this stuff. This is consuming 
with uh, without any doubt at all. I mean, I haven't I haven't like crunched a bunch of numbers, but I pretty I feel safe in saying that there is millions of dollars of wasted time and effort on the part of our system trying to deal with these. Yep. Some of the experienced sovereigns. So there's one guy, um, and you can Google the case. It's Anthony Troy Williams in Hawaii. The guy was involved in, you know, sovereign citizen fantasy, and he's done this in several states. So, so the federal charges against him in Hawaii are just the most recent. Um, he's actually currently he was he was serving 20 plus years in the pen in Florida for Florida state charges when the feds nailed him for his actions in Hawaii. This guy has filed, you know a motion or two every day uh, in pretrial motions for his uh, for his mortgage fraud case where he's helping, where he's telling people that he can, you know, cut their mortgage in half and he basically rips off their money, causes them to lose their house. And he's filing one or two motions a day. The court's got to dispose of all of them to prevent an appeal. The court can't just say, screw you denied. They've got to put all the legal reasoning behind it. So he's, so he's really tying up the clerks for one federal judge and preventing other cases from being tried. And, and that's a real problem. There's been about a year of screwing around with motions with this, with this idiot. Uh, some of the finding, some of the, and I, I recommend him because, uh, he may be mentally ill, but some of his stuff is fairly well written for a sovereign and it's just deliciously crazy. So if you Google around, um, uh, there's a site called Fogboat, F-O-G-B-O-W.com that uh, I post at and a lot of other people uh, that follow Sovereign Citizens. So there's a big thread about Anthony Williams. And, uh, uh, and so you can see a lot of the source documents for the case there. And you can understand the impact that this has on uh, a federal trial. Um, and, and there are many sovereigns who get into deep trouble that, that keep throwing this shit at the wall. It doesn't end up working very well. So in a case in Tennessee, um, a sovereign committed some financial crimes and uh, there's a pair of sovereigns committed financial crimes. Uh, they told all their followers, they predicted you know, easy victory that they were gonna show once and for all in court that um, secret government money is available to everybody. The jury convicted him of a half a million dollar scam in about an hour and a half. And when you when you consider jury deliberations, the, it takes an hour to elect a jury foreman, decide what you're going to have for lunch, uh, and all that. So, so it was pretty obvious that the that the jurors didn't believe a single word of what these bozos had to say. So, in in a way, you know, all of this pretend lawyering ends up getting you increasing the odds that you're going to get convicted. And then there's another category of sovereign citizens that's into the pretend court idea. So there was a bunch of guys just down the road from you, Chris, in Colorado. Um, they got busted in early 2017. Um, there was about eight people. So they started out fairly harmlessly. And uh, another fascination, by the way, of many sovereign citizens is oaths of office. So they are obsessed. And this is a delaying con. Uh, uh, a delaying move that you often see in sovereign citizen court cases is that they'll demand to see the judge's signed oath of office. Now, a judge who's been on the bench for 20 years signed the thing, it's moldering in the file somewhere, and you know, you, you don't have to produce it. But the sovereign citizens will throw big motion practice at this and throw giant temper tantrums in court. So there's this bunch of guys 
in Colorado that said, we don't like the liberal, you know, assembly and judges and people, you know, in like Boulder County, which is all a bunch of, you know, <laughs> Boulder types. is definitely an interesting place in Colorado. Exactly. So you have all the crunchy granola types in Boulder. Yes, you they do. don't like any of those guys. So what they did is they went and they quote determined that all of these legislators, judges, officials, governor, from the governor on down essentially, didn't quote have a valid oath of office. And so they were sending notices off to these idiots to not to, I'm sorry, I misspoke. They were, these idiots were sending notices off to legitimate government officials demanding that they resign, uh, pro provide an acceptable proof of an oath or resign. Now, of course, all these letters are ignored because they come from nut jobs. So they kept doing this and eventually that didn't work. So what they ended up doing was, you know, when you get ignored, when you're a sovereign citizen and you double down, what you do is, is you get yourself into more trouble. So these guys eventually did was they said, okay, we're going to have our own court system that's going to use, and, and you'll hear the phrase common law a lot, um, or natural law. And, and basically common law was what you had before you had rigorously defined laws about something. So common law comes from hundreds of years ago and it has no effect in a civilized world. And they say, okay, we're gonna have a common law court system so that we will get the right decisions that should have been made uh, by the courts. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna have our own judges. And so you have people who have, you know, maybe a high school education, maybe, you know, whatever, um, who eventually get all of their buddies to agree that they're going to be the judges. So these are the pretend judges that I referred to. And the pretend judge has a pretend grand jury, which is basically a bunch of his friends. And these guys will issue a pretend indictment. And uh, they figure that, you know, hey, I didn't consent to that government over there. So my government's just as good. My pretend government is just as good as their government because it must be pretend because I didn't consent to that. You know, I didn't agree to be governed by them. So, you know, um, you know, my ignorance is just as good as your expertise, right? That's uh, kind of the motto of many people in the world today. So, so the pretend- Unfortunately, that is very true right now. We've, we've really experienced a, a massive anti-authority anti-intellectualism thing in the last couple of decades. And we really need so, to get off that kick. Yep. And so, so the idea is, um, you know, and, and it's funny because these people all seem fascinated by the law because it's just words. Those same people that think that their ignorance is just as good as the expertise of lawyers who have spent years understanding why, how to try to make the justice system more fair. Um, they wouldn't try to have their own common law brain surgery Right. right. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, you know, you, you want a real doctor. There are no common law brain surgeons out there, but there are sure a lot of common law pretend judges. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so these guys started sending out um, pretend indictments to these officials. And when those were just as roundly ignored, um, then they started filing liens and a common sovereign citizen tactic. And this goes back way back, almost 40 years to the beginning of the movement is to file liens. And so this has acquired the name of paper terrorism against public servants. So, so judge issues a ruling in your uh, uh, divorce case you don't like, you can go down in this country 
Um, it's a little different in most other countries, but in the U.S., you can go down to the town hall or courthouse or whatever. You can file a lien against somebody's real estate uh, without proving that they actually owe you money. And that prevents them from selling the house, and it'll actually affect their credit rating. Now, various jurisdictions, but it tends to be on a state-by-state or county-by-county basis, have made it much harder to do this. But there's a lot of wiggle room. So I could, if I don't like you, I could go down and claim that you owe me $25 billion, and I could put that lien on your house. And it's a pain to get that removed. Um, So these Colorado guys started putting liens on the property of public servants. Now it caused real damage. It hurt these people's credit rating. They're doing their jobs. And all of a sudden they try to sell their house or they try to apply for a credit card at, you know, at Target or something. And all of a sudden they're denied and they thought they had excellent credit. They get their credit report and they discover there's a $25 billion lien on their house. <laughs> and, I mean, it's um, so ridiculous. And but so, it, you know. and, but it happens a lot. Yep. And, um, and so, And so this is where you really cross the line. This has real effect on real people's lives. One public servant targeted by these bozos had to put off sending his kid to college because he was disqualified from financial aid until he got this sorted out. So this poor kid lost a year of their life by not being able to go to college because of this paper terrorism. Exactly. It happens. It's happened in hundreds, if not thousands of cases. And so, so what they finally did after a bunch of these liens were filed is that the Joint Terrorism Task Force in Colorado finally rolled up all these guys. And um, Colorado decided to make an example of them. And the ringleader, who was a one of their pretend judges, um, and one of the other guys who was the administrator of their pretend grand jury, these guys got, um, the ringleaders got sentences of 30 plus years in state prison which, you know, for guys in their 50s and 60s, it essentially means they're going to die in prison. And, you know, is that appropriate? I would say it is. It sounds harsh because it's not like they killed people. No, they didn't. But they hurt the lives of a lot of people who were doing their jobs. And one of the fundamental bedrock, bedrock principles of life in America, whether you're a government employee or a private employee, is that you are not personally liable for what you do at work. So if I if I'm at work at McDonald's and I drop a burger patty on the floor and have to throw it away and it costs the company a buck, I don't have to pay the company back. It's a fundamental principle of fairness in, in the law and it applies to government employees as well as anybody else. So, so that I think, and so these Colorado people, they had this elaborate network of pretend judges, pretend grand juries, and they even had pretend marshals. So, in fact, the um, one of the teams of pretend marshals drove from Texas um, to New Mexico, and this would have been, I think, in early 2017, around the same time that these the, the Colorado gang got rolled up. Um, these guys um, showed up at a county jail in rural New Mexico with pretend paperwork. Now they had faxed it ahead, and. And they had faxed it ahead to the, the county sheriff and said, uh, you know, we've got a warrant to release this guy. Um, and so they show up at the jail um, and and it said uh, Continental Marshals for the Republic was the name of the group. And this guy was wanted for an out of state warrant, like in Pennsylvania, and he was living in New Mexico. He finally got he finally got grabbed. So the U.S. Marshals owned 
owned him and were about to ship him back to Pennsylvania. So some alert sheriff calls the marshal's uh, service in Albuquerque and says, you know this guy, are, you know, are you springing this guy? And they go, no. And he goes, because we got paperwork from the marshals. So eventually they sorted it out and they figured that this was bogus paperwork. So these four guys showed up with guns and and bogus paperwork at this jail in New Mexico and said, you know, we're here to pick up our guy. And uh, the cops said, OK, come around back to the what they call the Sally port, the essentially the, the safe, you know, chamber, you know, where you pull your car in, it locks and they lock the prisoner into the car and then the, the bus or whatever, and it leaves. So as soon as they get to the Sally port, the lights come on, they're surrounded by cops and they all get arrested. And the most amazing thing about it is these people actually thought that they were real police officers. They're delusional. Well, that, and that's the thing. We're talking about people who live amongst us, who look like us, who talk like us, who, well, they don't really talk like us, but I mean, they look like American citizens. They, they think that they have all the rights of a U.S. citizen without having to follow any of the laws. These people mm-hmm. have become like, like you could almost call it the cult of leeches. I mean, that's all they are doing is leeching off of society because they can't contribute to society and so they've 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 taken it in their mind that society doesn't exist and that they can go make up their own and that's exactly. how they're going to live their life and it and it really is pretty delusional stuff it is and you know i think that a lot of them this shows the power of rationalization and it shows the power of cult like thinking so they're not sitting around going ha what scam can i run on society so that I don't have to do anything I don't want to, and I can save money that otherwise I would be required to spend. Um, they don't do it that way, but they rationalize it, and eventually it ends up having just the same effect. Um, and so, so I think that this is, um, but 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 the mechanism by which you get there is very much in all of the different sovereign citizen subgroups it's very much cult thinking but what makes it interesting regarding other cults is that um you know if you look at scientology scientology is a tremendously centralized and highly structured organization and it has one set of beliefs everything that l ron hubbard ever wrote now never mind that hubbard's doctrine is massively contradictory and it's just a voluminous amount of horseshit to have to sort out. Um, you can't actually have a single set of Hubbard doctrine because there's so many different contradictions that everybody that tries to tackle it is going to come up with something different as to what Hubbard said about whatever. Um, now, all religions have contradictions in the doctrine because it was written you know, in ancient times, handed down by oral tradition, etc. Hubbard just wrote so much drivel that he didn't bother to check for consistency um, that it ended up being, um, you know, an opportunity. But the point is, I, I digress. The organization itself is highly structured and the belief of what is true is really simple. What Hubbard wrote is true. What anybody else wrote isn't. Okay. Sovereign citizens, it's all over the map, but the belief mechanism by which they adopt it, hold it in place and how they think is absolutely cult like. Even though it doesn't, there is no central organization, there is no doc, single set of beliefs, and there is no leader. 
Now, there have been sovereign citizen leaders, but um, and there have been sovereign citizen courses, particularly around how to beat foreclosures and how to uh, dodge income taxes. Um, but the number of people that make their living as professional sovereign citizens is pretty minimal. And so there are uh, there are some, but not a lot compared to how many people are in the movement. Um, when you think about it, Scientology has 20-something thousand believers worldwide, and they have about 5,000 staff members. So, sovereign citizens, there might be a dozen people making their living, um, either through donations or classes or people just sending them five or ten bucks at a time. Um, there might be a, a handful of people making a living at this. It's actually very similar, I'll just note, to the Flat Earth Movement which is also structured very similarly. There isn't a central leadership. There isn't a central core of tenants. Um, you know, I covered that a few months ago extensively, uh, even went to a Flat Earth conference. And, um, and so the, the organization is very, very similar. Um, it, but it really is, is worth reinforcing this point that, that, it, that it's about mental mechanisms. It's about belief structure. It's not about the specific beliefs themselves. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this show is to show how radically different an organizational structure can be. And mm-hmm. yet the behavior and the thinking and, or lack of thinking and the methodologies and the doubling down and the cognitive distance, like all the things we've been talking about all this time, just as applicable for this group of people. Let me just sort of go off in a different direction and say, yes, the insanity and the magical thinking is very similar between the you know the degree of insanity, right? The amount of evidence and common sense that you have to overlook to believe in the flat earth is approximately similar to the amount of evidence and common sense that you have to overlook um, to be a sovereign citizen. I would argue, however, that there's some very different motivation. Seems to me from what I've read of the flat earth crowd, um, a lot of their motivation is to own the experts, right? Like, you know, how a lot of conservatism is quote, owning the libs. Well, a lot of flat eartherism is owning the experts and how it becomes cult-like by the way, is that once you lose all of your friends, as you go around spouting all of this nonsense about the flat earth and people are like, Oh, get the fuck out of here to use a technical term um, to, you know, once, once all your friends just like chuck you, the, you find solace in the arms of other flat earth nut jobs. So, but, but it starts out from, you know, you might start believing flat earth a little ironically and, you know, just for the fun of jerking people's chain. And then all of a sudden you discover that you're very lonely and you end up, you know, really going down the rabbit hole. Um, I don't think that the sovereign citizen world is typically driven by a desire to, quote, own the libs. Um, I think it's really driven by economic necessity or for, you know, revenge on the system after, you know, it's a pretty traumatic loss, you know, foreclosure, uh, divorce, um, tax trouble, uh, you know, child protective services, you know, child custody issues. These are typically among the major traumas that people will suffer in their lives. And so one can understand that there's, in some respects, and I'm not, you know, justifying it or uh, allowing it, but, but in some respects, one can have some compassion for people that turn to sovereign citizen beliefs in many cases, because, you know, they're doing so as a reaction, an inappropriate reaction to be sure, but as a reaction to dire economic circumstances, 
for a tragic loss. Now, they can't admit responsibility and realize that being a drunken uh, meth head might have had something to do, some causal relationship with losing their kids, you know, to the foster care system. You know, that's unfortunately a pretty normal human characteristic to not take responsibility for what you can. But aside from that, one can understand the emotional reaction of, you know, it's not it's not that it's a good one, but one can understand how people get there. Totally. And I and I want to be I actually just since you brought this up, I want to comment on a couple of things you said there, because it's important. Um. In terms of how people arrive at flat Earth, when I did my conspiracy, my sort of end of endless conspiracy theories video, and really did the deep dive and talked all about why people adopt these beliefs, there are a multiplicity of reasons, and we need to be clear about that because tragic loss or midlife crisis is one of those things. You know, look at those of us in global capitalism, right? We have midlife crises all the time, and we hopefully have a somewhat better way of dealing with it that involves expensive sports cars, supermodels, you know. Exactly. And a lot of people do, right? There's, it's, a, it's a certain percentage of the population that's going to go way off. And it's a small percentage, but it's there. And so you see that reflected in sovereign citizens. You see it reflected in flat earth or 9-11 truthers or other extremist conspiracy theory beliefs where people have just kind of gone off the rails. And I just needed to comment on that because I wanted to speak to motivation because um, owning you know, libs is certainly something that conservatives like to do, but I want to differentiate that that's not what makes them conservatives. And it's the same thing for the flat earthers. They love owning scientists and all that other stuff in their delusional you know, ideas of owning people. But the thing that actually motivates Flat Earth is tends to be religion uh, or paranoia or a combination of both. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Incidentally, um, by the way, on the Flat Earther subject, something that's fascinating, and this is something that I um, that I'm I'm really intrigued by, is that virtual survey at one of the Flat Earth conferences uh, said that virtually all people who are committed flat earthers got that way from watching YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah. So, YouTube radicalizes people on this stuff the same way it does with uh, it can be used as a tool for Islamic uh, radicalization as well. Yeah, and it's and and it's certainly a tool for uh, sovereign citizen radicalization. Yeah. Um, and I think what it ends up uh, and 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 so I think you know the sovereign citizen movement is. Uh, acquiring has acquired a lot of momentum from these YouTube videos. And so this sort of says, okay, well, what's next? What do, what do, what does the government do or what do we as a society do? And the answer is that you have to raise the stakes for people. And if you all of a sudden, it becomes abundantly clear that if you drive with a fake license plate and fake registration and you pull this crap that you will go to jail all of a sudden, the economic consequences are raised that it's like on your the first time a cop stops you for a fake license plate or driving a lot of people, these these people have been suspended for a DUI. Um, and, you know, when you've been when you've been busted for a DUI, your insurance, your car insurance is going to go from, you know, 50 or 100 dollars a month. It's going to go up to three, four, five hundred dollars a month. And if you're you know, pover- impoverished, there's no way you can pay that. So you're going to drive on a, on a revoked license. And, you know, some 
if if the police has zero tolerance for that, uh, especially when they spout sovereign citizen nonsense, all of a sudden it's a rational economic calculation once again. A hundred percent of the time, I lose my car, I lose my job, I lose my house, I lose everything for driving on a suspended license. You're not going to do that. The cost of trying to suck it up and either ride a bike. Um, by the way, you you know it's like you go to AA meetings. And you see that a lot of people who have had multiple DUIs and have lost their license for years, a lot of these people will ride the under 50 CC scooters. That's a solution. They can stay employed, et cetera, et cetera. And the, and the license is not required. So they're compliant with the law. And because they know in particularly in highly populous states and in blue states, they know that driving on a revoked license, the hammer is going to drop. Exactly. So, so It'll be I think interesting it, to see if this is an effective deterrent. I think it. I think it will be. So, for example, if we look at, um, uh, from what I've been able to tell, sovereign citizen activity in Colorado, they really rolled up the sidewalks. Um, uh, all of the. Uh, so there were some number of pretend judges and pretend grand jury people and pretend marshals. The moment the Colorado bunch got rolled up, and the moment those idiots got arrested in New Mexico for you know, trying to be pretend marshals and spring people out of real jails, um, the pretend marshals group just fell off the map as if it had never existed. Um, the pretend grand jury crowd had a weekly conference call and they got anywhere from 50 to 200 people on it. Um, I haven't tried to listen in. It may, I, I think it disappeared pretty quick. And a lot of the people that were affiliated with that group that were pretend judges, including the pretend chief justice of um uh, of that crowd have just completely rolled up the sidewalks. So I think there's a pretty rational deterrent effect. Um, and so, you know, if you go into court and you pull that nonsense of, you know, I'm, I'm not crossing the bar and coming to sit at the defense table. Um, if you get arrested for non-appearance hundred percent of the time, you're going to sit there and say, you know what? So, most people are going to, unless you are completely committed to this ideology, you're going to say, you know what? That's not worth it. I you know, agree. I 80, agree. 90% of the people, 80, 90% of the people, when you realize you will go to jail, if you try to pull any of this stuff um, and, and you don't put in an appearance in the proper format, they're going to, they're going to be pretty sensible. Some hardcore, some percentage of hardcore believers are going to keep doing it. Well, I think that's, I think that's always going to be true. And I think that we're going to find, I mean, we're talking about a very small percentage of the, you know, 300 million people who are in the U.S. We have a hundred thousand. You're talking about, you're talking about one in a thousand people. And the effect of that in terms of a drag on the justice system is, is actually disproportionate. The amount of time. I think that's why they're coming. I think that's one of the reasons they're coming down so hard on these guys is they're sick and tired of all the overwork these guys are causing. Yeah. And it's like, if you just say, okay, zero tolerance, boom, you know, and, and the word will get, eventually will get out. Um, and it may take a while, but the word, you know, it it always takes a while with government. Right. And, and so training classes, uh, according to this guy that I know, I, I, um, I wouldn't call him a friend, but I would call him a, a, you know, I've corresponded with him and he's an expert in the sovereign citizen world. And he gives training classes to cops and he's trained, there's about 800,000 sworn officers of various uh, various stripes in, in the country. Um, so there's about one for every 400 people. Um, he's personally trained 
you know, 10 or 20 or 30,000. There's a lot of other emphasis now. Um, the government, uh, so recent surveys of various police, um, you know, officer, you know, senior management and police departments have said they think the sovereign citizens are actually a greater threat at this point, either of violence or of just crime. Um, they're a greater threat than Islamic terrorism. So it's not just so there. So this is a big component of right wing extremism. There, there, there are some very liberal sovereign citizens, but more of them are on the right end of the spectrum. Um, yeah, non-zero on the left, but but it's generally a right-wing phenomenon. And, would would and, you say this is mostly a libertarian ideology? Um, I wouldn't say that they necessarily, if you went and you grabbed any sovereign citizen who's been jailed over their beliefs and asked them if they're libertarians, they probably couldn't spell libertarians. There's no coherent, <laughs> okay. you know, there's, I, I would say that there's no coherent political philosophy operating here. It's driven by economic desperation or anger towards the government. Um, and it's just sort of nihilistic. Um, it's not a reasoned stance um, that to the extent that you would, you know, some people would say that libertarianism is not a reasoned stance, but, you know, to the, it, it's not a well-defined school of political thought. Fair enough. Uh, Fair enough. I think that there, um, we, we should probably touch on this darker, darker, darker side of this in terms of this violence, um, because it tends to target police specifically or law enforcement specifically, judges, DAs, uh, you know, attorneys. These are the people they tend to target with their liens, with their paperwork, and then sure. even with their guns. Yeah. Well, you've, you know, there have been cases, um, yeah, where a guy, there was a guy in Georgia, and I forget uh, exactly where in Georgia, but there was a guy who, you know, drove his uh, SUV up the courthouse steps, uh, jumped out and started firing at the courthouse. And, you know, he managed to, a deputy who happened to be in the right place at the right time, and had the presence of mind, um, you know, shot and wounded him. He stood trial and he's now in jail for life. Um, there have been a couple of cases where sovereign citizens who have been wanted for something, uh, they've gotten pulled over and gotten out of the car and blasted away and killed, you know, some number of police officers. Um, and, um, but there have been a lot of other attempts to actually engage in armed insurrection. There was a guy in West Virginia, um, who, um, announced on a conference call, and and this is the power of social media that they don't realize that anybody who you know when you publicize a conference call on Facebook, um, the chances of advocating overthrow of the state government of West Virginia, um, that uh, there's often a good chance that law enforcement is going to be listening. So. In his own words, he laid out what he was going to do, invited a whole bunch of people to meet him at uh, time T, date D at place P, and they were going to drive into the Capitol and they were going to throw the governor out of office um, using armed force if necessary. Um, and they bagged the guy before he had a chance to actually show up waving a gun at the state Capitol. But um, a lot of this fat, you know, fan, I mean, you see this a lot where people think, uh, so Dylan Roof, the guy that shot up that church in, I think, was it Charlotte or Charleston? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Killed, nine, killed nine innocent black people, um, including some leaders of the community. Um, he thought he was going to start a race war. Mm -hmm. There's delusional thinking mm -hmm. that a small number of people is going to be able to 
um, cause a violent overthrow of an established political organization. And it's just simply naive and unrealistic to think that's the case. Um, it's just not going to happen. Five people are not going to go blasting into the West Virginia Capitol um, and get the governor to, you know, give it up. It, and and there just aren't that many supporters of these people. You know, there are people who talk a good game on Facebook, you know, what you call the chairborn warriors. And, right. uh, you know, there are a lot of people that talk a good game on Facebook. Um, and so they whip a lot of people into a frenzy. Some of them cross the line, unfortunately. But yeah. you know, the reality it's, is the stuff isn't going to succeed. It's going to kill innocent and wound and affect innocent, many innocent people. But none of it's ever going to succeed. Yeah, exactly. I have to make a connection here because this actually touched on my life. And I think that this was purely coincidence, really. Um, but it involved an ex-Scientologist, a former Sea Org member. Um, and this was in 2013. Oh, she, was, she was on staff at the time. Yes, she was. Uh, but not in the Sea Org. No, she wasn't in the Sea Org. She had been in the Sea Org in the past. But she, she, but she was on staff at Las Vegas Celebrity Center. That's right. That's right. In August of 2013, and this was the year that I got out of Scientology, when this happened, I was still just under the radar. And I was feeding Tony Ortega information on the underground bunker, and I was feeding other people information, but I was trying to stay under the radar. This is actually feeding him information about this story is actually what alerted the Office of Special Affairs of the Church of Scientology to the fact that I was the one feeding them information. Uh, so it's just coincidence here, but but it feeds into the sovereign citizen thing because what happened is in Vegas, a guy named David Brush and Devin Newman, and Devin Newman was a, was a grandmotherly older woman. She came up to about here on me. She was my junior in the Sea Org in Los Angeles, and she got involved with this David Allen Bruch and the sovereign citizens thing, and they ended up getting arrested because they were planning on abducting, torturing, and killing a Las Vegas police officer in order to attract attention to the sovereign citizen movement. And she was all wrapped up in this. She ended up getting off pretty easy. She only got a year of probation. The guy who was actually the gun owner and the one who was talking real tough, he ended up going away for a lot longer. They got busted in... Um, uh, they made videos about how they were going to kill this cop and they were going to torture him and they were going to, you know, ignite the world with this. And uh, anyway, they ended up uh, going to jail. He's uh, He was sentenced to five years probation also because they never got to the point where they were actually abducting and, and killing somebody. But that whole story, I gave Tony Ortega inside, you know, inside info on who she had been as a Scientologist and Sea Org member. And I was the only one who could have given the information that was given because she was my junior. So that's how they put two and two together and busted me too. So kind of funny what a small world we live in in some ways, you know? Yep. So so um, so let me, this actually just sort of reminded me about another uh, situation um, uh, where it ended violently. Uh, so one of the biggest examples of sovereign citizen um, armed insurrection with large numbers of people was in Bunkerville, Nevada, which is out by Mesquite kind of way out in the, you know, way out in the boonies on towards the Utah border. 
um, where a rancher who had been grazing his cattle illegally on uh, government-owned land, not paying his grazing fees, um, the uh, BLM went to seize his cattle. And um, he put out the word, and several hundred armed uh you know, far right anti-government activists. So it's not strictly sovereign citizen, but basically, hey, we can ignore the law. Um, these people went out to defend this guy and um, they surrounded a bunch of BLM agents, including brandishing weapons at them. And um, and this was in, I think, uh, April of 2014, if I recall correctly, it was definitely in 2014. Um, and the BLM abandoned this, and the cattle are still racing, uh, raging on the land. They were tried, and um, uh, they were the case was dismissed on a technicality that the government uh, prosecutors hadn't turned over some evidence. Uh, the government's appealing the case, but but basically, um, you know, the the ringleaders were tried, but but the foot soldiers, uh, a couple of them went to jail, but but most of them got away with it. Um, and and this was again, I think, before the sovereign citizen movement and the threat that it proposes uh, or that it poses was really well known. I would have to say today, um, given that and given um, you know the history of sovereign citizen bad behavior and and the potential for violence and the level of concern that police have, which may or may not exceed the actual potential for violence, if uh, if a bunch of anti-government activists start to really get together and become effective, the government will come down on them with a ton of bricks. The government's not going to fold their tent and walk away at this point. Um, the stakes are higher and the government will, um, you know, will really drop the hammer on, on these folks. Um, so after being thrown out of the uh, camp of supporters, two people from that group at Bunkerville uh, went back to Las Vegas and they uh, just saw two cops in a um, diner having breakfast and they just walked in and executed these two policemen uh, for the for just for being policemen. Um, they were later killed in a shootout with uh, with other other cops. But, you know, this is the degree. So, yeah, some fringe, you know, some very small percentage of the lunatic fringe will engage in violence. So the problem is that the more believers you have, ultimately, the greater the, the number that cross the line. And so, and so um, the fact that, so if you look back at the case of these Colorado pretend judge, pretend grand jury people, it was a period of three, four, five years that of, of nobody lifting a finger and saying, guys, you're going to get in trouble if you keep a, if you keep this up. They just were ignored and eventually they crossed the line. And, and so I think the lesson that the, the, the officials are learning is you have to come down on these people harder, sooner and, and more aggressively. And you will eventually um, reduce the number of people that actually act on these beliefs. And it's one thing you know, it's one thing to to sit there on Facebook and read this crap. It's another thing entirely to start organizing people, start working together towards a common goal, essentially engaging in a criminal operation. And then it's even you know further level to actually pick up arms and go try to actually do something. Um, so I think, you know, I, I, I'm optimistic when I started really looking at these guys at uh, in 2014. Um, you know, I, I thought that this would continue to increase pretty substantially. And the feeder uh, group is the 
you know, the car registration traffic ticket crowd or the, the uh, discontents who have lost in court. And I think, um, you know, I think if they can shut down, you know, the early stage sovereign citizen behavior where they think this actually works, I think I'm, I'm more optimistic now that this stuff can be contained. It'll never be wiped out, but it can be contained. Cool. I, I think you're right. I actually want to thank a viewer out there who sent me a, uh, a an email to a link to a police bulletin about sovereign citizens uh, that was just issued. And I, I shared it with uh, John. And um, that was kind of what hotted me up on getting onto this uh, again in the first place, this particular topic, because I went, oh, yeah, those guys, I've been meaning to get to them. And that police briefing sheet was very thorough. Uh, it was actually quite, I was surprised at how at how well written it was because it really laid out everything we've been going over, the violent cases that have happened and why police need to be on the lookout and the kind of language they'll use. So it was, it was um, definite, definitely that the police are on alert for these guys. It's not just a passive sort of thing. Yeah, it's it's increasing. It's not universal. So there are still plenty of police officers who haven't been trained to deal with these to recognize these guys. And um, there has there isn't a single playbook that, say, the feds are out providing to local police departments. You know, the the feds and the states do a lot of training of local officers trying to get, you know, minimum competence and training out there. there that hasn't been reached yet, but but it's it's getting out there. And so. Uh, in in areas that have had a problem with these people before, um, it is now a priority. And and it seems like, um, you know, if you look at uh, the fact that, frankly, the fact that more sovereign citizens don't just get shot um, is, is, I think, a testament to the restraint and, and the training that the police officers are starting to get. And, you know, the consistency in responses. You know, they give them more than enough time to comply and they they announce this is what's going to happen. You know, I'm going to count to 10 and I'm going to break your window. And then they do it. And That's right. The videos on this were actually quite enlightening in terms of police behavior and police training and police patience. Yeah. And we see a lot of videos, uh, some edited, some not, uh, that show unfortunate circumstances, tragic circumstances, and certainly instances where cops have behaved badly or have violated their training or have done something really, really wrong. We see those things in our face all the time, but we don't tend to see this kind of stuff where they're actually, this is more, I think, representative. These videos with, that show the cops, I think, is more representative of how the cops' yeah. days tend to go. You know. Yeah, and I think I think you know it's one of these things where I certainly, in the abstract, because I have no contact with law enforcement, um, but in the abstract, I'm absolutely con you know concerned about um, extreme cases of police violence, of unwarranted use of force, and particularly against uh, you know minorities, and that is deeply concerning to me. And at the same time, I can still be positive about what I've seen of police officers treatment of these guys. So in other words, it's a, you know, it's a complex, it's a complex situation. I can, I can appreciate the job that they're doing, you know, with restraint and professionalism and, and still have the level of concern that I do. So I'm not, I don't want to be characterized um, as, you know, blindly pro police, let them do whatever they want. Um, not at all, but, uh, but they have generally been, um, you know, I mean, who wants to, well, let's let you, even if you take a cynical view, who wants to trash their career over some 
you know, excessive use of force for some moron that I pulled over for a speeding ticket. I'm not going to give up my very few cops are willing to give up their career to beat the daylights out of that guy. Um, they're going to be very conservative. And you're and you're right. You know, it's I, you know, I, I don't want to get into bashing cops. I don't want to get into into praising the overly praising them. I'm just saying that yeah, it's, it's another data point for us to look at how cops actually act on a day to day basis. And I thought exactly that, well, that was a good window into it that I found educational. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I, I, I this it's a little bit of a caricature to say it this way, but mm-hmm. um, we only see airplanes on the news when they crash, which happens right. once in a great while. We don't see on the news evidence of the 27,000 commercial flights that take off and land safely every day in this country. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, you know, by the way, if you want to see some of the best and funniest uh, examples of this, there is a YouTube channel for a guy who either is or was a cop. And the channel is called Donut Operator, D-O-N-U-T Operator. So search on YouTube for that. He's the guy that does the sovereign citizen bingo. Yep. But there is just a wealth. And and the, the logic, by the way, this shows you how skewed the logic is. Um, a lot of sovereign citizens and others, to be sure, um, think that, you know, they they videotape these stops thinking that it's going to establish police tyranny. Then they post it on YouTube after they get out of jail. And what it ends up being is some of the best evidence to convict them out there, uh, as well as abundant comedy fodder for the rest of us. And so, um, you know, the best source of incriminating evidence is the sovereign citizens themselves, right? So, so the Colorado pretend grand jury folks, where did the investigators have to go for evidence of the pretend indictments and the liens? Their archive site where they conveniently posted all of this so that we could all see the tyranny of the government that they were avenging through their um, sacrifice and, and good works. Um, and actually, it ended up just being you know, making it all that much easier for the investigators to find the evidence and convict them because it said we filed this document against so-and-so on thus and such date. And it says lean $25 billion or whatever. So, um, so, so anyway, um, but there is so much material out there uh, from these people uh, with all of their edicts that they're so proud of. Um, It's just, it is a huge rabbit hole. I caution you, if you value your time, don't go here (laughs) because it is a rabbit hole that will take you away. And, and it is endlessly fascinating. Um, I, as, as many of you know, I love to write and some people think I'm reasonably competent at it and watching the thought process. And, and I've spent a lot of time, you know, what I, (laughs) everything I've done in my career Writing has been a competitive advantage for me, writing clearly, powerfully, and impactfully. And, and interestingly, that's been the key to success for everything I've done in life. And to watch the thought processes, to just try to understand how these people think that this pulling this, this random word salad together is going to unlock the doors of the jail. You know, literally, I I encourage you guys um, watching this. I encourage you to start looking at some of these things. And and ultimately, what fascinates me, I think, and and we probably ought to be moving towards a conclusion here. I I don't know how long we're talking. No, I was I'm I'm after you wrap up this point, we're going to wrap up. (laughs) Okay, great. So so one of the things that I think 
is fascinating endlessly to me about Scientology, other cults, um, sovereign citizen movement, and other things as well, is just how thin the line is between brilliance, regular, everyday rationality, and madness. And you start reading these sovereign citizen documents, you start watching these videos with these things that these people say to the cops, the magical thinking that's involved. I don't know whether these people are clinically mentally ill, simply misguided, or simply too invested in these ideas to be able to stop, step back and say, you know what, this is just wrong. But, but these magic incantations that they think will somehow unlock an otherwise unattainable result is just remarkable. And then the mechanism by which they hang on to these beliefs in the face of all evidence to the contrary. It's a painful reminder that when we're human, it doesn't matter how smart we are. And this is something, by the way, in the world of capitalism, I learned long ago, um, you always have to be checking your own mind. You always have to be looking for your mental blind spots. You always have to be looking at how the world is changing. Because if you keep doing what you've been doing and it doesn't work anymore and you keep doing what doesn't work, you're going to lose people a lot of money and you're going to lose your, your job and probably your career. Ultimately, uh, you have to be sensitive to doing what works. You have to be always thinking, am I on the right side of the line of sanity or madness? And then maybe if I'm really good, I can get from just ordinary workaday sanity to brilliance. Um, and it's, it's, a very important reminder that it's hard work to be human and it's hard work to live a good life and it's hard work to bring good into the world because the sand traps that these people have gotten trapped in were something were things that started off very innocently and these ideas these wrong ideas about reality about the legal system um, about how government should work are causing untold pain for those that believe them for many innocent people and for society at large. Exactly. It's beautifully said. Thank you very much, John. Your contribution on this was invaluable. And I really, really appreciate your time on the show here today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. It's really, um, this is, you know, I've, I've posted on a number of sites about these, uh, about these sovereign citizens. And this is really the first time I've had a, a, a conversation to really try to um, present this in a, in a way. So I hope, I hope some of you out there listening have found it useful. Uh, you may find some of it entertaining. Um, but as I say, I think there's a serious side. I think it's a reminder that um, it's a lot of work keeping a society and a civilization working. And, um, and we need to do that work. And, and, you know, otherwise we end up with this sort of nonsense, the selfishness, the ignorance and, um, and the waste and the, the, the lost lives and lost opportunity that uh, so many of these sovereign citizens are on. Awesome. Well, folks, leave any questions, comments, or feedback in the comments section below here on YouTube or at sensiblyspeaking.com. I always value your feedback, and I'm sure John would as well uh, for this show. And uh, thanks for coming around. So uh, if you want to support the show, check me out on Patreon. Otherwise, uh, like I said, questions, comments, feedback below. Thanks, guys. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Bye-bye.